Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 320 with Martin Brockman. How are you, Martin? (laughs) I'm good, Dale. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure, mate. Now, before we get into, and we'll talk about how we met and everything recently, on and on the last seven days, has there been something that's lit you up? Like, just put a real big smile on your face, mate. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've uh, I've been doing my traveling roadshow, the Martin Brockman traveling roadshow for a while, and um, I've basically made the big decision in the last seven days, either go big or, or don't go. And I'm pulling together a load of other coaches like me, and, and I'm trying to uh, create some resources, create some education stuff, and hopefully bring together some really high quality coaches um, and build a really meaningful platform for for PE teachers. So um, it's always exciting starting a new project. Um, it's daunting, um, but I, I, I mean, I love I love the journey part of it. Yeah, well, mate, well done. I think it's uh, it's one of those things. It's uh, we have these ideas and we have things where we want to go, but actually starting them. Sometimes it's really hard to start or get other people involved. So um, I commend you for doing that, mate. And uh, the journey's up and down, but it's, uh, you know, in try and enjoy it as much as you can. And it's always nice when you can share the highs and lows with other people like you're going to. Now, um, we met recently uh, in Singapore. We were both presenting at uh, the FOBCR conference um, and we obviously connected there. And uh, I loved hearing uh, on the last day, there was a discussion and you're up and you're obviously one of the panels talking about, you know, your career from the Commonwealth games and, um, you know, winning medals and everything you've done. Um, I want to get into that, but you're a decathlon, um, 10 exercises, 10 different things that you need to do. What, like, how did you decide that you were going to be a decathlete? Like is that's for me is like, you've got to be that good at so many different things or are you just a freak at everything, mate? No, I mean, that's what people assume is that you just turn into a decathlete. I actually ended up in decathlon because I was bad at everything. So <laughs> I, I was the guy I wanted to be, I, I wanted to be an 800 meter runner. I turned up at the club and the coach took one look at me and said, no chance. That's not your event. Um, <laughs> I did a race, came last. Okay, I'll take your point. So I ended up actually filling in. I, I just love athletics. I love doing everything. So I ended up filling in for, tried a few events where we didn't have anyone for the hurdles. Okay, try the hurdles. Um, I was last. Okay, we don't have anyone for the pole vault. Try the pole vault. Didn't get over a bar. Try the high jump. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm six foot six, almost two meters. I fell over and came like fourth or fifth. Okay, that'd be my, that'd be my thing. But I kept going with the hurdles because we didn't have anyone. I kept going with the pole vault because we didn't have anyone. And eventually, step by step, you become okay. Um, and then, uh, I mean, I, I then played with the decathlon just for fun at the end of the year. A group of us would just do it for a laugh, basically. Um, and I really, I really was no good. But then my coach kind of gave me a nudge. You, you need somebody to give you a nudge at some point. And he said, you know, if you actually bothered to learn how to throw, you could be okay at decathlon. Um, so that's really how it started. I mean, when I, I mean, when I look back now, I, I turned professional as a decathlete, and I was like two hundredth in the country or something. I, all I saw was the Olympics is coming. This is you know, why not give it a go. All my friends laughed in my face when I told them, and quite rightly so. Um, <laughs> but I just I left school and I just went. I went full on, and within four years' time, I was third at the Commonwealth Games. So. 
So, so talk, story, let's, really. let's, oh man, I love it. And I, and that's why I really sitting back when you were talking on stage in, in Singapore at Dulwich College, I just thought that's such a, firstly, to be, I don't know, I suppose you have to be, accept that you're not going to be good at everything. Like, is that something in, you know, when you're a decathlete that, because a lot of people in their profession or sport or whatever they're doing, they want to be the best at it if that's what they're doing. Whereas you've sort of got to settle and realize that you're not going to be good at everything was that did you wrestle with that for a while or because you sort of didn't take it seriously it sort of come naturally yeah I think well I mean it's part of being a decathlete is that we I mean we talk about people who had that dream decathlon when they got nine nine or ten pbs out of the ten events and we we talk about them like they're legends because they're so they're so rare that you're going to hit everything perfectly so you learn to take the ups and downs one event's going to go badly another one's going to go well and you're trying to diminish like the failures and maximize on on the good ones to try and get the score it's it's about what happens across two days not about what happens in each event um but in general i mean i what i loved about decathlon is that i was this tall really skinny kid and i used to turn up and get to discus throws and see if i could beat some and to start with like you, you beat one or two guys and be really pleased that i beat this discus thrower <laughs> And then as you get better, you realize that actually you're beating all the discus throwers because you need to be that good across across the board at that level. But that that's what it was for me. It was never a case of going to go from here to, to here in one go. It was, uh, let me see if I can beat these guys. Let me see if I can beat these guys. First year, I went from 200th to about 25th in the country. And then I could see the next, the next group, if I can get this sort of score, I'll be at the top of that group next year. It was that step-by-step approach, really. Um, and then I oh know we'll talk about the work you're doing now, particularly in schools, but um, do you think it's, it sounds so simple when you say it like that, man, like, you know, step-by-step step and you got to do little things, but unfortunately in life, we get too fixated on the end goal or the result. And we want to, you know, like you were saying, you wanted to get to the Olympics, but you'll know nowhere near that when you like it told everyone you're going to do it. Um, like how important is it celebrating each little win and enjoying the journey along the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is one of the big things. We talk about taking your small wins, especially in sport, because you, you, you're going to lose a lot more than you win. Because you, you do a decathlon, there's, I mean, to be honest, I barely won anything. Because every time I got better, I'd move up to a higher level, compete against better and better people. But, especially, you know, we have the ups and downs. But this event didn't go well today. But I hit this technique that we've been working on in practice perfectly, which means we're not far away from it clicking in the next competition. So you have to take those those small wins along the way. Um, and especially in decathlon, we call it the spirit of decathlon, um, or the French call it spirit of decathlon, which means we know how hard it is. So we kind of do it as a team. Where it's like this kind of band of brothers type thing. So we, we all celebrate at the end, whether you were first or last, we all celebrate in exactly the same way, which is a kind of really nice community part of decathlon. I, I love that aspect. And I suppose if you have a bad event, you just, you don't have time to ponder or self-pity because you've just got to get on to the next one. So in a way, it probably is a good thing for certain aspects of, you know, because a lot, when you talk to a lot of high performing athletes, that they get fixated on the negatives or the things they don't do well, because they've got a lot of time to think about it. Whereas you don't, you're already into the next event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, if you've got a 100-meter runner and they don't run very well, they've got to come back tomorrow and they've got to try and perform better. We've got about just enough time to go and change your shoes, maybe throw <laughs> in a bit of food, and then go to the next one. So but we, we, what, we, what we love to do is, especially with my athletes, we do 
I'd do a, a five minute debrief. I'd wait for the after the event, whether it was good or bad. I'd wait for them to come down from or, or come back up again. And we do five minutes. We're going to talk about it. We're going to clear it out. We're going to talk about what's going on next. And then we move on. Whether you've just done a new personal best or whether you've, you've just had a disaster, we don't want to take that energy into the next event necessarily. We need to get back on our stable, stable energy that's going to take us through the two days and create consistency through the days. Mm. Um, so having those moments, whether good or bad, to just clear it out, focus on the next one is, is really important. Um, and like you said, it's, it is important to talk about and reflect on it, but you can't change it. And I think that's one of the things that people get fixated with is that it consumes them because they're, they're so angry or disappointed or, but you can't change that. You know, you can process it and learn from it and move on. Um, and I think that's probably a great lesson for anybody that, you know, in anything. Um, and so five minutes, it's, it doesn't sound like a long period of time because people love to evaluate things and go over them a lot, but realistically five minutes, it sounds like that's all you need. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, about five to seven minutes is how long it takes for us to walk around the outside of a track. So especially with the younger kids, like they do an event and the parents would either be really excited or the parents would be trying to lift them up. And you know what parents are like. It's they're they're, they're well-meaning, but there's a time and a place to give there's a time and a place to give feedback and there's a person to give feedback. You know, so I used to I, I used to basically time it when I saw the athlete had had enough of listening to their parents. We'd we'd I'd pick them up, come on, we're going for a walk. And quite often the parents say, Oh God, you're in trouble now. The coach is gonna tell you off. And we'd walk away, and the first three minutes of that five minute walk was just saying I'll just get you some space to honest, so you can so you can come down and relax and and it's not about okay now it's time for feedback it's about okay now it's time to connect now it's time to relax and calm and then when you're in the right space we might sometimes have that conversation in the last 30 seconds before we get back to the parents but, but sometimes that that's all that's needed it's 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 about them dealing with the emotions, not about me giving them feedback and, and advice on how they should deal with their emotions. It's, it's creating the environment and the space to do it themselves, really. And I think also making them feel safe. Do you know, I think that's the, the key with that. And that's the beauty of walking and talking or doing, you know, particularly or having a chat in the car where you're not looking directly at somebody, but more importantly, the way you've just described that you're both moving your body as well. So you're getting the benefits of that. Is that something you deliberately have planned or done? Because a lot of the time, you know, people debrief facing each other or sitting in a circle. Um, it's very confronting. Yeah, I mean, it's I've I've kind of developed a few of these little tactics over time. You kind of work out what works and what doesn't work. Um, but I think it's coming down to that it's about a relationship. I, I'm not uh, as a coach. I don't see my I, I I see that I have to teach, but I'm it's it's a much different relationship to that. It's not it's not about me endowing them with my knowledge. It's a it's a relationship, and that relationship needs to go both ways. So I need to listen to how they're feeling much more than tell them what they should should or shouldn't be doing so i think having that space where they feel comfortable allows them to be able to express that um and do you find uh and nothing against parent i'm a parent myself that parents just don't know they've got the best interest in heart but they seem to do the opposite they do a lot of talking and telling instead of listening um I don't know. I, I've seen that from, you know, the sport I've coached and been involved in Martin and you're like, oh, you're actually making the situation worse, but how do you tell them that? 
Yeah, well, this is the thing, it's, and it's all well-meaning, um, but I think in general, the ones who like to talk the most are probably the ones who are going to take the feedback the worst. Like, um, Especially if the, the kid doesn't need, or the athlete doesn't need that confrontation between me and the parent either. So that's why that's why I work for this thing. The best thing to do is to pick them up, walk, walk them away, create that space, um, and the problem the problem goes away. And and they think that I've been given all the feedback that they were going to give anyway, so they then relax and it gives the parents time to come down as well because you know I, I i realized that my as my career took off my parents started to travel all around europe to support me which was great but then it comes with the pressure also of they've they've just flown to spain or they've flown to estonia or something to watch me in a decathlon and if it doesn't go well i have that pressure but also they're, they're feeling that pressure too they're on the journey so so you understand that after a good or bad event it's not just the athlete and the coaches is everyone in that support team is also feeling the same, the same uh, energy. Mm. Well, you're riding the highs and lows together. So let's get back to uh, your career. Cause I loved it. And I love the way you articulated this on stage that, you know, where you said you're 200th or whatever ranked in, uh, in great Britain. And then, you know, in a couple of years, you're winning a bronze medal in Delhi, the Commonwealth games. Like, how do you just do like what what happened? Like is it like what you just said at the start where you go, I'm gonna go all in? Like, did you decide that, right, I'm gonna give this a crack? Like, or did you just get really good luckily? Or oh, how did it happen? I mean, I mean, number one was I just worked my ass off. I yeah. mean, I, I left I left I left school. I decided not to go to university. I think I think it was it kind of fell in the right place because I was done with education at that point. It's not traditional education isn't really for me. Um, so I, by the time I got to 18, I was I was finished with it. I think I was looking for a way for me to create some space to do something with my creativity, to do something that I was actually passionate about rather than what people are telling me to do. Um, and my coach was giving me a nudge to do it. So I, I, I think I did it in a way for me to work out what I wanted to do. Um, but I did, I committed to it fully. So, I mean, I did nothing but train. I used to, I used to train twice a day and in between uh, training, I would be watching videos of athletics. And then after training, I'll be coaching kids at local tracks. So, I mean, my life was athletics for that four years. Um, and I, whether that's the only way you can do it or not, I don't know. But I mean, I, I got to a point where I was spending so long at the track that British athletics were saying to me, you know, you 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 shouldn't be coaching. You should be resting after training. Um, but actually that that coaching gave me another way to see the event, to see the movement and to understand the movement. So it actually helped me with my athletics career. So, I mean, I went from 200-ish in the country to 25th in the first year. Um, and then I think I was in the top 10 after two years. And it really was this, it, I, I, I would look at the rankings and it, you you kind of get clusters of standards. You get the, like 200 to 25th is the guys who are just doing it for a laugh, which was where I was at that point. And then that 25th up to that kind of top 10 is the guys that are trying to pick up the small international vests. They're not they're not the big time people, but they, you know, they, they've got a score that might get them an England vest at some point. And then the top 10 are the guys that are aiming for the big stuff. So I just went, I need to latch onto these guys. And then the next year, I'm going to beat these guys. And then the third year, I'm going to latch onto the guys that are aiming for the big ones. And the fourth one, I need to be near the top of that list. Um, whether I planned that far ahead, I, I really planned like two years at a time. Um, that it's 
I need to be, I had an agreement with my parents that here's my targets for the next two years. If I don't achieve them, I have to get a job. And I scraped across the line every single year. <laughs> um, and then, and re- really scraped across the line. I was worried I was going to have to go and get a job in a supermarket. Um, but, but, um, but then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, once, I, once I'd got that qualification for Commonwealth Games, it was then kind of no question, you're not a guy doing athletics anymore. You're now an athlete. And after that, there was no question. I just, I just keep going for as long as I, as long as I can. Oh, and I love that. It's uh, so once you did it, sort of reaffirm things with you once you got that qualification that you know you see yourself going in the rankings and you're giving it your all. But was that sort of the validation that right? Yes, I'm I'm here. I belong. Um, was that what helped you? You know, get the bronze medal or talk us through that process because obviously when you spoke about taking like going all in, backing yourself, that's cool. But then you get that validation. You're like, wow, now I've hit the big stage. I hit the Commonwealth Games. Like, what was that next step like? And how did your mentality and mindset sort of switch from, you know, just trying or trying to beat people to like, wow, I've made it? Yeah, I mean, it was a big shock after after the Commonwealth Games because leading into the Commonwealth Games, I had absolutely nothing to lose because I a couple of years before that, nobody knew who I was. All of a sudden, I was thrown into this game that I was think I was ranked sixth or seventh in the competition. Had absolutely no right to win it, so I just set my sight the same again. I need to beat all these guys. Let's see. And and I looked ahead with my coach. Like you know what, Let, goal number one: see if you can beat all the British guys. Because if you can beat all the British guys, which again I don't think I'd ever beat them before, but if you can beat them today, then. If something happens with one of these guys at the top, which is decathlon, could well happen, then you put yourself in a position for a medal. So we actually went in with, okay, goal number one, who cares? Let's let's try and win a medal. Goal number two is whatever happens, you're going to beat these British guys, the other English guys, <laughs> because at least it jumps you up the, it jumps you up the table. And I went into that competition telling everyone that's what I was going to do. As and now when I look back, I go, that's incredibly arrogant. I had no right <laughs> to be in that position. But but at that point, I'd spent four years just rising and rising and rising, which was great. Um, then after the competition, you get that kind of two weeks to a month of real celebration on a high. And then it's a, it's a really, you know, they talk about the people who win the gold medals who then go through depression afterwards, Olympic champions, because they've achieved their goal. And I, I had a period of time where I thought, well, this might be the best thing I've ever achieved in my life. And I'm 22 years old. And that that took a little while to get over. Um, until someone gives you a kick up the ass and says, you do know the Olympics is coming in two years' time. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got a job to do. So <laughs> so, um, so, I had, it gave me confidence going forward. Um, but then it, as, it, as it got closer and closer, it also added pressure um, because I think the people around me don't realise the difference in standard between the Commonwealth Games and the Olympics for a start. So it wasn't people saying, oh, here's Martin that we know. He's trying to qualify for the Olympics in London 2012. Let's support him. It was people going, this guy just won a medal at the Commonwealth Games. He's going to win a medal at the Olympics. And there were people like offering sponsorship and like car sponsors and that kind of stuff, which was amazing as a 22, 23-year-old. Here's your brand new BMW convertible. Have a nice time. Like, I'm having a, <laughs> I'm having a great time. <laughs> but they literally give you the key and say, he, as he handed me the keys, he said, okay, but I expect you to go to the Olympics. And that's that's tough. That's mm. tough because it turns out the Olympics is really hard. You know? And I my my the score I made at the Commonwealth Games was um 7,712 points. 
And the Olympic qualifying at that point was 7,730. So I was like, okay, I, I mean, I told them, don't worry, I'm going to find, I'm going to find the uh, 18 points or whatever it is. By the time I got to the Olympics, they'd raised the standard and then they raised the standard again. Wow. So suddenly I was in a position where I'm right knocking on the door of the Olympics and now I've got to finish, I've got to score the fourth highest score ever in Great Britain to qualify. Wow. And Just I've to got get everyone in. expecting me just to get in because the standard is so high at that level and they moved the st- they great britain reduced their team size to say we're only going to take people who are going to finish in the top eight so i had to go fourth all time and and so suddenly you've got this this uh kind of carryover from what you've done two years before and all the expectation expectation that comes with it plus this higher standard and the pressure just builds and builds and builds over time so it's Ooh. it's a tough place to be were you um with that like that's mate the pressure from outside was never there obviously at the start of the Commonwealth Games and then that comes but then the pressure you put on yourself because everyone else is doing that um how did that cocky twenty two year old like you know you're looking back now and you're like oh I wish I'd have been like that but that probably helped you get where you were because you know you use that as a strength or a superpower how did that change or did it change for the Olympics because you're like, wow, I need to just to even qualify. This is a completely different ball game. Um, did the pressure change that or did you grow up or did that mentality change? Yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned in, in Singapore that, that the biggest change for me was I moved from this arrogant early 20-year-old saying, watch this, I'm going to go to the Commonwealth Games. Watch this, I'm going to win a medal. To this person who, who was saying, my internal dialogue was, I hope I can do it. And that the difference from I'm going to and I, I hope I'm, I can, it brings such a different energy every day to what you're doing. Um, and I think I was looking in some ways for ways to kind of pass off some of that responsibility. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 that was the biggest change for me. Just just when I look back, it was it was tough. And then immediately after the Olympics, when I didn't make it, I shifted my mindset again to say, OK, this, this is still my job. What am I going to do now? And I went, okay, ne- the next thing is, it's not the Olympics, but it's the home games, Glasgow Commonwealth Games 2014. Okay, I'm going to go to that. And I immediately flipped back to, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I didn't, at that point, I didn't even have a coach. I was coaching myself and said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go forward. So that switch from this is what I'm going to do to I hope I can do this to this is what I'm going to do makes such a huge difference every day. Having having a purpose really, isn't it? Like, and that, you know, obviously sport, you hit crazy high achievers and you're so fixated. You've got to have everything going right. But that goes back to anybody. Um, it doesn't matter what aspect of your life is. You need that purpose and that reason for doing what you do each day. Um, when, when you don't have that, you feel lost. You're like on a treadmill, you're going nowhere. Yeah. And I mean, I, I work with a, with a psychologist in, in Qatar and his, his whole thing was about having this impossible dream. And then saying that's what you're going to do. It's not, well, here's my impossible dream. I hope I can achieve it. I know it's impossible. I know I have no chance, but I'm going to do it anyway. And somebody has to. But it's a bit like me really being this 18-year-old saying, 200 in the country say, I'm going to the Olympics. And everyone laughed in my face, literally. <laughs> um, but I said, this is what I'm going to do. And did I achieve it? No, because for me, I don't even think I'm that talented. I just worked really, really hard. But I got to third at the Commonwealth Games. And if you'd given me that at the start, I would have probably bitten your hand off. Yeah. So I actually, in, in some, I, 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 I struggle with the idea that 
most people aren't going to make it. Like if you set your goals at high, you need to also provide people to support when they fail because they're going to fail. But therefore it becomes more about what did you learn along the journey um, and what did you achieve that you never thought you would achieve because you set that that goal. I think um, I think that's so true. And unfortunately, and, and you'd see this, you know, working in schools and um, with young athletes and individuals that um, it's easier not to put yourself out there or have these crazy ambitions because then you're not going to have that, you know, you're not going to let yourself down or let other people down or the pressure or different things like that. But like you just said, the only way you're going to grow or learn is by setting these goals. And, you know, when you don't get them and you're not going to get everything and that's reality, that's life. It's how you deal with them and move on and learn from it. And your story is perfect. I could imagine that the disappointment from, you know, like you, I said, BMW sponsoring and all, all these different things and the pressure from coming off, you know, a bronze medal and not making your home Olympic games, that would have been horrific, but you found a way just to bounce back and find a new purpose because you'd put yourself out there before. How important is that for people listening to just try new things? And it's not about it's not the failure. It's the learning. And it's probably an achievement that you even put yourself, you know, you put your hat in, you're in an arena. Yeah. I mean, people love someone with high aspirations. People love someone who puts their, puts themselves out. I mean, it's what we love about sports stars is the guys who wear their heart on their sleeve, but, but you see it everywhere. And now that I'm moving away from the coaching side, the athlete side and towards business, I look around at business people and they do exactly the same thing. How many of these, you know, Shark Tank or Dragon's Den type people, entrepreneurs, they, they have a couple of businesses that are, go super well and they've got another 200 behind them that were an absolute <laughs> disaster. Even, you know, even like the great Donald Trump, like how many how, people talk about how many businesses he got that went bankrupt. Yes, because that's the whole point is you try something. If it doesn't work, it's not, it's not on you. It's not that you did a bad job. It's okay that it's not ready for that yet at this point, or or you would it was never gonna be a thing, but you wouldn't have known that unless you tried it. It's about trying something, resetting, trying a new thing, trying a new direction. So I try and take that from my sports background now forwards into my kind of now business entrepreneur kind of life which is let me try it if it doesn't work what's the worst that happens i'm aiming for a business can make me 100 million dollars oh i only made 50 million ah you know what i'll take that you know <laughs> that, that's that's the attitude yeah. you know um if it's a disaster i'll try something else you know what's the worst that could happen and i think you're lucky because You've been able to transition, not lucky though. You've you've made your own luck by trying things and putting yourself out there. But once you start that, then it flows into all other areas of your life. And like you're saying now, you're transitioning into that entrepreneur world, into the business side of things. But because you've had the courage, and I think that's what it comes down to, Martin. It's the courage to try something and the courage to understand that it's you're not always going to win. You're not always going to succeed. You're not always going to get where you want to go, but it's the journey itself. Like I said at the start. So do you look back now and do you find though when you share your story, it's a great story and it's, you know, I love your story, but some people can't relate to that because they may not have been that, you know, 18 year old that's left school and, you know, gone all in. Yeah. I mean, when, when, when I share that, that kind of story, the, I tried, I failed, I got up, I tried again. It's kind of a classic story to be honest. And mo most people can connect with it. I, I mean, I've done it on TV. I've done it publicly in the media, you know, that, that people were following my story from the local area and saw me fail. And then they saw me get back up again anyway. Um, 
so but I think everyone's done it on some some level whether it's with a, a job that didn't work out or a relationship that didn't work out or a business they tried or or I, I at some point I had a dream I was going to be the next tennis player and that didn't work out but everyone has that story or people will listen and go maybe I should have tried mm. um, I, I didn't have the courage to try and you know, maybe maybe I should have done but I, I would say it's, it's never it's never too late to try you know like you, you can start a business anytime you can start a new hobby anytime you can start yeah. a new relationship anytime um so it but it's it's if you're going to let one failure dictate the future then you're in trouble but i think a lot of it comes down to i mean for me i had to get over the first hurdle which is i told my best friends that i'm going to be an athlete and they laughed in my face and i did it anyway and you're going to get a lot of that i, to- I told many people i'm going to go off and start a business and some people go, good on you. I support you all the way. Some people go, well, good luck with that. I'm going to stay here with my nice, safe job. But they're not me. You know, pe- people aren't you. So what they would do, what they're comfortable with is 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 on them. But and you've got to yeah, do what, what feels right for you. I love that. I really do because I think a lot of time we're searching for that reassurance. We're searching for people to you know, go all in with us, but that's not the way it goes. And um, if you're wanting to do something, you need to wholeheartedly do that for yourself, not not rely on anyone else. Because unfortunately, a lot of the time, like we've, you know, your mates laughed at you when you said you're going to go all in and, you know, some with a business. And I was the same, you know, when I left teaching, you'd, you've just got to believe in yourself. You That external noise, if it's positive yeah. or negative, it's not going to get you there, is it? But that's not always easy when you're but starting your, out. But yours is, a, is uh, I mean, I, I, I was in, I managed to get to one of your workshops where you had everyone in the room and your thing seemed to be, I'm going to come on stage in front of a room full of adults. I'm going to scream as loud as I can. and I'm going to get them to all <laughs> clap in time. And you go, if, so, if you said, this is my business model, you go, well, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And yet it was the most brilliant thing. And everyone was laughing. Everyone's having a good time. And everyone everyone got exactly what you're going to do. And I know that's not your whole business model, but, no, no, but no. you walked in front of a room of adults and did that. And it was brilliant. But no one would ever say, Yeah, that's you know, you go on, you go on <laughs> Dragon's Den or something, you know, this is my pitch, this is what we're gonna do. What are you what are you talking about? And it was exactly the same with saying, you know, I'm this guy, I do athletics once or twice a week for a bit of a laugh, I'm gonna go to the Olympics. What what are you talking about? Of course you're not. But you you could see you could see what it was you wanted to do, and no one else can. Oh, and that's one. I've been doing this podcast for seven years, and that's probably one of the best uh, summaries of. <laughs> if people can see, I'm sweaty. I've got purple. It's uh, but you summed everything up so well there, and I totally agree. Like you don't know when you when you put yourself out there and you start something new you're allowing things to take place. You don't know what will happen. Like you were saying, sometimes you're coaching yourself. So you don't, you don't know where the journey is going to take you or what's going to happen, but you just get there and you, you know, you take the highs and lows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and it's like we spoke about the, the whole decathlon journey is something's going to go really well. Something's going to go really badly. You know, some, sometimes I, I, I bring in a member of staff and they're just, they're unbelievable. Sometimes they come in and you go, that's not really what I thought it would be. But also my decisions day in, day out. Let's try this route. At the moment, I'm trying I'm still trying to come up with a name for, for what this new platform is going to be. I can't quite get my finger on it, but I throw something out there 
And the designer says, that's the worst name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I go, okay, we'll put that one in the bin. It, it, it's just trial and error. So, yeah. I mean, and I think you just have to, I think that the thing you have to do is learn to laugh when it's a disaster. Don't take it personally. Just just laugh and, okay, we'll try something else. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. If you saw how many logos I've got from businesses and things I've created, Martin, at, uh, at the end of the day, we think they mean more than what they actually do. It's it's you. You're the product. It's what you're creating. It's the experiences you give people. I know we have to have a label and things like that to package them up, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Um, but again, we get so caught up on, you know, and people want to start out, oh, I don't have the name or the logo. Like, it doesn't matter, but we it sort of does. Yeah. You know, in 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 athletics, when we're when we're coaching, we call it we call it paralysis by analysis. Is when you overcoach an athlete, so that when they're trying to perform, they're thinking, "They, now I need to get my foot in this perfect position. I need to have my body in this perfect position. You know, in pole vault, I need to have my arm has to be straight in this perfect way." And now all you're thinking about is what you're doing with this arm. You're not thinking about the fact actually my job is to get over this bar. And I think that's that's the thing I've tried to take into business is to go, okay, there's all these pieces need to be in place. But how they fall together is going to depend on, as an athlete, depend on how tall am I, how fast am I, how strong am I, how good am I technically, um, what what different limb lengths mean you move in different ways, and that's the same with with going forwards. But I, I have I have an idea where my business goes, but I I I know what I want to give to people, but I also know that if if I get too fixated on this is the business, nothing else then it doesn't give you that room to explore. I'm I'm 100% sure there's going to be avenues I'm going to go down that I never I never even thought of. I've, I have no idea what they are yet. But in having that creativity and doing a bit of trial and error, I'll try this thing that is I'm so sure is a business and people don't like it. But this thing that I thought was a stupid idea, people love it. Okay, let's let's go that way. Yeah. It's, I, it's not about what I the business is, what the business gives to other people. Yeah. And that and that's a great way to do it, mate. And to go back to what you said about me before, when I quit teaching, I never thought I'd be standing in Singapore with a bunch of internationals in a room clapping. Um, it's the last thing I ever thought I'd be doing, mate. But I do it everywhere now, and that seems to get me some good gigs. So, <laughs> thanks, mate. I appreciate that. Now, before we do get on your business, and you know what? I've used it as well. Have <laughs> you? Good. There you go. See, I, yeah. I, I love that. It's funny that. Uh, a lot of time when you explain something to people that we're going to do this, they say, no, that won't work. But then you do it and you see what happens. Um, if you had said to me when I was still teaching that you would be doing this in seven years time, I would have laughed in your face again. Like I would, uh, wouldn't have completely thought you were crazy, but I'd be thinking it very close. Now your career, what are you most proud of? Um, looking back at it before we start talking about your business and the things you're doing now, Martin, what are you most proud of, of what you were able to achieve? Uh, I mean, a couple of things. Of course, the 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 Commonwealth medals is, is the big one. That's that's. I almost see that like a um like a qualification for me now. It feels so far in the past. It's like a thing that I did. But there's there's that's one of the things. I mean, I've got my medal. It just sits on the side here behind yeah, me. Yeah, very nice. Because, because it it reminds me. It's it's not so much about the um the fact that I won it. It's it reminds me of the journey that I took. And that I went from I went from you know zero to hero in, in four years um, when no one thought I could. So that, I mean I'm proud I'm proud of the journey and I'm proud of the dedication I put in. Um, but I'm also proud of the fact that I mean I worked with these kids most of my career. I coached voluntarily, so about eight years I was I was coaching at a local club, 
and seeing how those kids have got, I mean, they're, now they're not kids, now they're married, they've got their own kids, um, which they're starting to get old, but seeing how they've <laughs> developed into really good people because of the journey they went through. Um, you know, and I know, I know that as an athlete at the time, I was, I was an inspiration for them. They, they were watching my journey. They were aspiring to do the same thing, but seeing what genuinely really good people they turned out to be. And some of them from rough backgrounds, but I, I can see that they, that they, they've come out better for having gone on that journey, which is really great. Um, I think that's the most rewarding thing about, you know, mentoring, coaching, teaching, whatever it is. And sometimes it's not the impact you see exactly when you do the lesson with them, but you're planting a seed. And like you said, some come from really rough backgrounds or whatever, and your impact or that role model or what you've taught them, you know, five, 10 years down the track, it's, it plays a big part in their life. So I can see why that makes you so proud. Now let's talk about, uh, obviously your business. You haven't got a name yet, but, uh, I'm sure that'll come, but, um, you are on a global road show. You're presenting all around the world. Um, I must admit in Singapore, I did not come to one of your sessions probably because I was talking nearly as much as you, but in Singapore, it was very hot, Martin, and you were doing your athletic sessions outside on the track. I struggled to leave the air-conditioned room, so I don't know how you're doing that, but now you're in Saudi, you're in the Middle East, you're all through Asia. For a POM, how have you got used to the heat? Because when I lived in London, people were dying on the tube when it was 20 degrees. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I left, I escaped from London a long time ago, so, I mean, I, I used to actually I used to go and training training in Australia. Actually, I used to be, used to go to Australia in Albury Wodonga of all places Aubrey, to train in the winter. Twin Cities. Yeah. There you go. I yeah. grew up. I grew up very close to yeah. there. There you go. It's a small world. <laughs> so, um, I think you must have been the other guy I saw that time. There's no one else there. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> um, but so so but I mean I, I you know I, I was I've been in Qatar for six years, so I've kind of got used to the heat and humidity. Um, but also just when you do decathlon. You get used to just grinding it out. You, you, it's it's tough. You're tired. You're hot. You're sweaty. It's, it's nothing to me. I can I I keep going, and and I'm there to do a job. You know, part part of it is, um, okay. Of course, I'm tired. Of course, I'd rather sit down and have a you know have a cup of coffee or a nice cold drink. But I'm there to do a job, and 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 it's part of my coaching and part of when I'm when I'm working with these things is you're paying me you're paying me not for how I feel today. You're paying me to provide this service. So I can put on a smile for an hour. I might be exhausted, but my job is to put on a show. It's exactly what you do on an extreme level. But, but you know, you, you're not here for me to tell you what to do and then leave. You're here for me to, you want to enjoy it. And that's yes. part of the service. Yeah. It's so, so true. And you have a, like it, and, talking about clapping in game once i start clapping that mask goes on and you forget everything else do you know what i mean because you go into flow and you can see the impact you're having like you you sort of put your ego and yourself aside or that you're tired or you, you haven't slept much or whatever um and you understand the impact it's having on other people so then it actually lifts you up and you feel better going from feeling not very good and not wanting to do it to doing it and helping other people it's um are you just loving that aspect of it you know that the impact you're having on so many other people now because of the work, you know, with your resources for one, but then the sessions you're running, you know, all over the globe, um, must be pretty satisfying. Yeah. I mean, I mean, people see me coming in looking like a smarter and they feel sorry for me, but that, for me, <laughs> that hour, that hour and a half has gone so quickly that I didn't even notice. You know, I, I, I love it. I love working with teachers. Um, and I know I, I worked out that I, I tried coaching along the along the performance spectrum, you know, from real kid stuff through to 
Um, you know, I was working with the GB junior team just before I left for Qatar. It's working at elite sports academy. It's all about performance. And I realized where I'm really good is that in the middle part, that athlete development, how do we get kids from engagement and put them on the right journey to go on to do the performance stuff? You know, I can do the performance stuff, but I, I'm really good at setting them up on that journey. So um, my kind of business and the stuff I'm doing now, the traveling roadshow is, is really about how can I spread that impact wider so I can go and work with a lot of kids, but it, it's a long-term project with kids. You need to be with them day in, day out. Whereas if I could teach other people how to do that, I go and work with 15 teachers at a time and they go and work with a hundred kids at a time. That's how I can spread it a little bit wider. You can only do a little bit at a time, but if you can, if you can get the basics right, then it sets them up on the right journey. So that's all I do really. I, I debunk a few myths. People are teaching this. Nobody teaches this anymore. This is how this is how it really works and how it impacts performance. Teach this stuff. Love it, love it. And like you just said, the life is about. I think the the number of people you can impact with a positive message. And you know, by teaching other people how to do it, you have a bigger reach. And I think that business model is great. It served me very well. Um, and the the thing with it is, you don't always realize the impact you're having on people because you don't always see it. Um, but it's a, it's a good feeling knowing that you're doing that. So Martin, if people do want to get on the road show, because you are everywhere, every time I see you in a different country, or I know you've got resources at the moment, but you are, you know, teaming up, like you said, and you got a lot of things in the pipe works with membership sites and things like that. Where's the best place to go at the moment for people listening, if they do want to inquire about booking you or to check out your resources. I mean, first place to go to brockmanathletics.com which is my athletics website. Um, and it's just got, it's got my workshop information. It's got resources on there and the links to where you can find them. Um, or otherwise connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, everything goes onto LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on there. Um, so if anyone wants me, they can, they can uh, connect with me on there. Um, or just email me info at brockmanathletics.com um, and I'll pick that up. Beautiful. Well, this is uh, episode number 329 links to uh, obviously reach out to Martin and where you can go there. But before we go, man, I want to know, final question, mate. Uh, if you could look back at, you know, everything you've achieved, you know, Commonwealth Games, medals, the ups and downs of not making the Olympics, um, now starting a business, trying to figure out a name, speaking all around the world, all these amazing things. If you could go back to 18-year-old Martin when you're just starting out, when you're leaving school and give yourself one bit of advice, what would that be? Um. I think it would be believe in yourself right from the start. I had to, I had to build my own confidence and now I feel like I've, I've built that confidence and I've, I've built that confidence by proving it to myself over time. But I think actually it's the believe in yourself and go all in because you're smarter and you're, and you work harder than, than, than you realize you can. Um, so probably that, whatever you want to do, just give it a go because you, you don't know where it's going to take you. Yeah, I, I think that's great advice. And if you are going to do something, like you just said, don't do it half-hearted. Do you know what I mean? Because that's when you look back with regrets and you go, what ifs? And you don't want to live life like that. Yeah, I mean, we used to say you're trying to be one in a million, but one in, one in a million now is there's so many other people like you in the UK, you know, like that. You've got to, <laughs> you've got to try and be one in a billion. Then there's seven <laughs> of you in the world. That's, that, that, but you, 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 can't get, you can't get to the top of the pile by doing what everyone else is doing. You, you've got to do something. It doesn't mean you have to work harder necessarily, but you've got to do something different at least. You've got to stand out from the crowd somehow. 
I, I love that. Now, before we go, mate, next time I do see you, um, I do owe you a beer. Uh, we're in Singapore and uh, <laughs> I, I didn't realize that uh, the local Hawkers Hall that you couldn't play of card. And you were very kind in uh, obviously looking after that poor Australian there with all the Brits. Um, so I do not only appreciate your time today, Martin, but um, next time we do see, mate, I do owe you a couple of beers. So, mate, thank you so much for your time and sharing your story. I I loved it and I really resonated with it um, in Singapore when you spoke uh, on the forum, particularly about you know, backing yourself and going all in and everything you've mentioned today. And um, I think it's testament the way you've bounced back and now you're using that as a positive and helping so many other people, mate. So you should be proud of it. And um, I really appreciate you sharing that with the audience today. And um, as I said, mate, uh, shouting that poor Aussie that uh, didn't understand the Asian culture. That's right. I've been in Australia enough to understand. I know, I know how it works. So, <laughs> but, but 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 thanks a lot for having me on. I, re I really enjoyed the chat. So any any time. I look forward to catching up at some point. Legend. Thanks, Van. <laughs> <laughs>